Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike that the torch has been passed to a new generation born in this century, tempered by war, disciplined by a hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage, and unwilling to witness or permit the small undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed and to which we are committed today at home and around the world. I'm joined again by Mr. Daryl Becker. Hopefully we can uh, avoid as many technical issues as possible today, unlike the last episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to have you back on Daryl. I got a lot of good feedback. Uh, I felt like a lot of people really, they were just kind of blown away from nonviolent communication. I still kind of am like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it and, um, apply it into my life. It's, it's, it's like the the difficult thing for me to be, I think, well, the biggest thing is like, I've been busy, so I haven't been able to put the, the proper studying time in like I need to. Um, but also it's, it's, it's like overcoming all these habits, like all these bad habits that we've created in our communication. And, uh, I think, um, I think like one area where I'm really trying to work on it in is in like my relationship with, uh, my special female in my life. And I think, uh, I feel like for all the people that I talk to, like I, I get paid money to talk to people and help them buy things and sell them things. And that comes really natural for me. But I think when it comes to like anything where any emotions are really involved, like I, it just like everything goes out the door, like whether it be with my brother or, or anybody that's really personal, like if there's something that's personal there, it's really hard for me to express myself. And it's really hard for me to, cause I, I don't want to upset them. Not it's it, maybe a part of it is me not wanting to be, um, uh, maybe it's because I think I'm sometimes I'm naturally accommodating, but at the same time, like, I don't know how to expressively like to, to effectively express myself without sometimes being offensive, if that makes sense. There's so many ways Drew, that you can be interpreted by people. And this is the trick with words. So we're attempting to bridge the gap since we're not actually plugged into each other. We have this gap between each other, you know, between ourselves and our particular love interests, between ourselves and everyone, as far as I can tell, we've got the gap. So there's the interpretation problem. I just scribbled down some notes of, okay, here's how I'll deal with it. You know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm all ready to jump <laughs> into it. Um, but yeah, you can lead off with, with your observations and questions. I'm ready to go. Yeah, so I think like for me, it's it's uh, like with my man. I mean, I guess one one example is my brother. Like we live together, we've lived together for most of my life. But like even like if he does anything small that bugs me, it's like a it's like a huge deal in my world for some reason, and I just lose my mind. And and I guess it's like and then when I do try to effectively communicate with them, it's never, it's never anything that's helpful. It's always me saying something personal or attacking him personally. And, and I, I guess it's like, how do you, how, how, 
how can I overcome my emotions or how can I, I guess it's, and, and I feel like that's a part of nine final communication. Am I missing that? Or um, like, does that make sense? Yeah. I think that the idea of overcoming them would be a problem. They're there yeah. in the same way as your skin is there to keep the rest of the world out. Your emotions yeah. are there to show you how well are you doing in terms of what motivates you. Okay. So, yeah. you know, when I went over observations, feelings, needs, requests, the traditional nonviolent communication model, and, and by the way, I really prefer the term voluntary communication. Uh, as I, I My apologies. Yeah. No, it's cool. Don't worry. I, I think that you, you reach more people if you say NVC or nonviolent communication. You're going to leave some people in the dust if you mention voluntary communication. Uh, and, and that's important. You want to reach more people, so you're, you're doing your job. Um, but <laughs> I think that what I'm trying to say is that that traditional model is a little bit, uh, what do I call misleading, okay? Um, it goes from observations in the tangible to feelings in the intangible, and then flows into the motivating factors, which in that specific field are called the needs inventory. And then it finally goes to requests, which is basically taking some tangible action or some potential plan that you make in your mind. And that's a little out of sequence, as I realized uh, last week as I was studying this. The actual sequence of what happens is you take in observations, and those observations go through a filter. And that filter is partially based upon what motivates you. In other words, what you value and what you desire, whether you're conscious of it or unconscious of it. It goes through that filter, and that's the filter then that leads towards you feeling an emotion, or I should say several emotions, usually simultaneously. And at that point, this is the erroneous part where people would look at the observation and say, that's what made my emotion, but it's not. It's the filter that you already had in there, what it is that you're after, your motivating factors, your values and desires, and your physiological needs. So it kind of goes through that. It goes through a process of evaluation, which you could call logic or decision-making. And it goes through your filter of what it is that you value and desire. And then from there, you have an opportunity to actually make a strategy of action. And in the traditional model of nonviolent communication, the way it's taught, it's going straight to asking someone else, making a request of them, which is okay if both people are on the same page as far as actually wanting to help as both people, as if both people wanted to just do something such as, uh, let's see, um, you know, to, as if that's the goal, as if they're both people are kind of like in the children role, in other words, where both people are asking requests of each other because they can't just simply make a plan of action and ask a request of themselves, whether like tangible right then and there or in the future. So yeah, to Drew, to like basically to try to get away from what you're feeling is definitely not something I would advocate. I would say instead just to see it as the the result of what it is that you're actually after. Is that understandable? Yeah, that is. So it's it's so pretty much what you're saying is is that you you can't avoid those feelings. Like you you just have to I guess pr 
what you're saying is it's it's more it's not necessarily your feelings it's more so what is leading you to feel that way because nobody really has a power like the only person who controls what you feel is you if that makes sense right that would be the optimum way of looking at it um, to actually take 100% responsibility for everything that you feel is definitely a key tenant in traditional NVC training so here I am, I'm going to call it voluntary communication, the language of choice. I'm going to, you know, this is about as pro-choice as it gets, meaning as people who can see value in ideas like the non-aggression principle, see value in ideas such as if you go and Google voluntarism, uh, you, you can see that, hey, this looks pretty good. It's hard to argue with it because it's consistent. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. So if you're yeah. going in that direction already, 100% responsibility, meaning the ability to respond, not the obligation to respond, then you have that, that skill set right there. You can actually trace these things back. And the way, as a medical practitioner, we trace back, say, a skin rash to situations that are causal vectors. And we do that because we're looking, because often we're being paid by a client, to find out an effective treatment plan. So... Some of this ostensible conversation we're about to have goes into the realm of romantic relationships. Some of it might go into the realm of relationships with family members. We have an opportunity then to use these skills, look through this lens and see what we can do. So what I was just trying to do with my words was make a little bit of clarity just to lay the groundwork once again, that we take things in, all of our five senses, and it from there goes through a filter which we've already built over the decades, over years. That filter is the end result of the decision-making processes that have led us to where we are at in our life right now. And part of that, of course, is what we value and desire. And where those values and desires came from is a very important question. Kind of like, who taught you to say that expression? But who would build the roads? When I've asked that question, <laughs> To people, it, it makes it, they very much have to pause, be like, where did I learn to say that? And that's a very yeah. uncomfortable moment of reality when someone realizes they don't know the origin of what they're actually saying back to other people or even to themselves in their own mind. That's very important right here to know what motivates you, to know your values and desires, where they started, and to see a practical application of this knowledge and understanding. This is what I'm trying to do with this approximately 45 minutes left that we have in this recording. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Um, like, so I guess like just to, to get right into it, like, uh, I think like for me, for relationships, like I've, I felt like for me personally, um, which I, I guess just based on, you know, the two of us talking, like we're both kind of doing a distance thing. And with, with the distance thing, like at first it would like, I thought that I, I had it all figured out and everything. And, but I didn't really realize like how bad my communication was. And then going back, there'd be all these, like there'd be all these problems that would start. And then it's, it's like been like, just kind of like what you were just saying, like, okay, why do I react like that? Like, why am I reacting instead of just being proactive? Does that, if that makes sense, Daryl, I always feel like I like, 
my ability to effectively communicate, I always feel like I'm, I'm not always the best at that. Um, or like to, to like for something that's really personal, again, it's like, it's really tough for me to like, to, to, I guess, express it or articulate it. But like, we, we would have all these issues because it's like, there's this huge distance. And now like what, what my solutions kind of been is to just create more space because it, because before I spent, so much time with this person and now like i i see him maybe once a month so it's it's um so then it comes back to like communication and it comes back to like my emotional attachments to to uh my motives or or what i my expectations of results are going to be from each conversation and it's in it and i felt like i just had to remove my expectations um to to strengthen our relationship if that makes sense absolutely so important thing to do here is make sure that you can keep comparing yourself to other people and how they communicate and also make sure that you keep comparing yourself to the i would say the this so-called equilibrium that other people apparently might be putting off no that's that was facetious i was meaning to say um, be alert when you are comparing yourself to others. It's an idea that you're, what is it that you're after when you compare yourself? You're after improvement. You're after clarity and understanding so you can see what motivates you. And why are these emotions happening? That is the key issue that we're aiming to get to. And probably if uh, you were comfortable with it, we can just launch into, say, like an actual practical example because it sounds like you've got some um, practical examples. Yeah. And I could give my, I could weigh in on that. Absolutely. Uh, a practical example would be, man, you know, a lot of times, um, well, like I, I felt like I've, I've kind of like dealt with a lot of it, but like a, a lot of times, like what I was struggling with was uh, just, Man, practical example would be I call I call this person, we have something, she says something and and I take it the meaning of another way. Like and then I'll say something and then she takes it the meaning of the other way. And it's all based on like bad communication and um like for example, usually if it's something that that has to do with um anything sexual like that tends to not like that tends to like, like sometimes I, I think I'm a little bit too aggressive and I don't necessarily like, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a, a like a f even flowing communication. Like it's, it's more like a, it's, I don't want to say it's forceful, but I guess in a communication sense, it is forceful if that makes sense. And, or at the same time, like if man, I, does that make sense? Is that yeah? I'm following. Is, is that so a good example? Yeah. Yeah. So I and and then like for that example, then like and then like that creates resentment on the other end because I'm not necessarily respecting her as a human being, and I'm making her feel more like she's uh, um, making her feel like she's more of an object than a human, and so I I think that's like that's something that that I've struggled with is just, and I don't even realize that I do it. And, um, and so I think it's important for me in my communication that, you know, what, what, like, what is, what is my, 
my goal, like in a communication? Do I want to talk to her just so I could, you know, try to see her naked or something like that? Or do I actually want to know how she's doing today? Do I actually want to, to get involved with her day, like her everyday life? If that makes sense. Yes. So maybe I can weigh in on some possibly useful strategies to approach the situation. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, the first strategy I usually am trying to advocate is to assume benevolence on other people's part. And also, of course, very importantly, on your own part. You're not actually after some manipulation, but you are after something that you value and desire. If you don't know what those particular values and desires are, I would say that that would be paramount to do because that's the OFNR work that nonviolent communication skills offer you. You can actually like do that work, I would say, every second of every interaction just to know what motivates you. That's the very key piece of information right there. Know what you're after. And probably it's not to make someone an object. It's probably actually to fulfill some certain strategy, a scenario, uh, sexual, romantic, etc., because of a past value and desire. You, you can be exposed to situations in the past, to have seen them, to, to want to replicate them, because if you get to do that, then you can experience something that you could see as was valuable, connecting in that certain type of way. Do you accept me like this? Well, how about like this? Acceptance is big. It's a big part of connection needs. Um, a lot of the whole skill of voluntary communication is predicated on a very explicit, easily explainable to yourself and others, pull-upable knowledge, instantly accessible knowledge and understanding of what the specific feelings are that are going on. And I do mean all of them, not just the surface feelings, but the deeper ones and also of the motivations that are going on. Um, that's, that's the, so the first strategy is I'm saying assume benevolence on your own part, certainly, and on the part of your partner. And then the second step would be making her feel dot, 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 anything revolving around someone else making someone else feel something is a problem. Now, being interpreted and her having feelings that's one thing. Her, she, you know, there's a, until someone signs on to the idea that no one else makes them feel something, they might go on to assume that other people do make them feel things, because all again, all they're seeing is they're missing the grammar, they're missing pieces of information called 100% responsibility. It's an opportunity that you can look through that lens. If you don't, ha if you don't even see that as an opportunity, you would look at the world as observations situations outside of you and that causes your feelings somehow magically and what i'm doing is i'm saying hey let's remove that magic part this is you know we're we're not here trying to promote a religion we're trying to show a tactical science so what i'm trying to say is hey you can identify values and desires they can be identified as long as of course that you identify all the feelings that are going on because you'll see them and draw the lines between those two so those are the first two strategies. I'd understand that the person is, you know, like, you know, definitely someone is going to be coming from a perspective of when you said this, I instantly noticed I felt this. And that's might be about as far as they go. So they're just assuming correlation is causation. It's not. Correlation is important, 
you want to couch your words, your uh, tone of voice, everything like that to make the scenario a win-win situation, basically. Um, so I'm, I'm looking to, you know, basically undo the filter of magic observations, go right to feelings. And then, of course, it's it's outside of your control to within your control. Observations go through the filter. Your values and desires go through the next filter. Your decision-making process, actions that you are planning to take. And then from there, you know, um, you're going to have reciprocal feelings based upon how well you're doing with all of this. So I know that I was dropping a bunch of, what do you call it, like abstract concepts because I'm essentially saying, hey, you you are actually in 100% control of your own feelings. That's contrary to what people would be observing. They would be only looking at what they observe and noticing their feelings, the surface level ones usually. And um, I, I would I would elaborate on, on any part that you want to ask me about. Yeah, that was, uh, I would say you're dropping knowledge, but yes. Um, well, first thing, so, so I just, I, I just kind of want to uh, maybe um, repeat in a sense and make sure I understand. So assume benevolence, um, it just makes sure that when I assume benevolence, what I need to make sure that I am doing um, in a sense is, is which is mo more important is figuring out my desires. So what, what are my motives? What are my desires? Um, and, and it, so in a tactical communication, when I know what I actually want, it makes it easier for me to actually communicate with the other person, what I'm after and, and do it in, in a more effective way. Is that, am I kind of on the right track there? Yeah, absolutely. And being and then accepted, you know, is a big motive. I would, I would always keep that one in mind. You know, do you accept me like this? How about if I'm naked? Do you accept me then? You know, it goes further. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So specific feelings and emotion and motivations. Um, and then um, the other one I was trying to, so making, making just under, have the understanding that I, I really can't make anybody feel anything. It's their filter in their view in reality that controls the way that they feel. Um, so it's, it's how they're interpreting it. And if, if they think that I'm making them feel any particular way, it's really just because they're missing, missing the proper grammar in their filter. Does that make sense? Or am I kind of jumping to conclusions? Okay. So missing grammar. So, um, and, and just knowing that, you know, observations like, like communication in general is a tactical science. It's not, it's nothing magical. It's just a tactical science. It's something that with a, we just do with each other and I was going to add to that, but then I just totally lost what I was saying. Um, but, uh, Oh, and then also correlation. So there the correlation is important, but there's nothing, there's nothing magical. Like, um, yeah, I think that's, that's how I was trying to take some notes and, and get that down. So, uh, I'm horrible at listening and writing at the same time though, Daryl. So hopefully I did a decent job there. Um, so I guess like building on correlation. So I think, so I, I think, uh, what it's important. So basically what's, what's going to be important for me to be successful in romantic relationships is just knowing that it's, it's not about the other person. It's really about me, but not in like a, a selfish way, but in a way of, for my communication. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and the word selfish is very much misinterpreted uh, because people are using it often in place of self-interested, which is what an adult is. They are interested in themselves because they don't have a parent who's holding their hand in every stage and every spot of their life anymore. That's what being an adult is. You, you have, you're the one to be self-interested in Drew. I'm the one to be self-interested in Darrow. And there's no one else who can really take that place right now. And, you know, after we take good care of ourselves, then we have an opportunity. Again, not an obligation, but an actual opportunity to pay attention to what's alive in the other person. And if they are not aware of these tactics that we've been discussing, then likely they have elements of being out of control. This is really common. And I mean elements of out of control is the correlating observations outside of them as causing what they emotionally feel. Everything from Drew's words to them to Daryl's podcast that he's been dropping to anything like that. It all comes down to what exactly is going on and magically that seems to cause the feelings and it's just an out of control feeling. Um, I, I deal with this quite often. And I find that in the midst of the most difficult, consistent emotions with other people, that there's very little space for them to look through this lens right at that moment. For me, it's all about, hey, um, I'm aware of what's going on with you, and can I help somehow? And when I have a good empathetic connection, say like me and Drew, you know, Drew doesn't ask me to help him out of every little situation all the time. And I don't ask him the same in a situation that's romantic and intimate. The old pattern of be my mommy, be my daddy, that type of thing of help me out of this. It's a really common thing to pop up with people. And if they're not being a good mommy and daddy to themselves, if they're not taking 100% responsibility, if they're not able to respond all of the time and actually acknowledging their own filters of what's going on, then there's this really uncomfortable situation where they don't know what's going on, where they're unhappy and they don't know what to do about it, where things like despair are magical and they come from somewhere else and they seek to medicate it away or to somehow, you know, self-medicate it away to it's all looking at externalities instead of the internalities. I'm trying to be more clear. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, uh, so what do we do about this? That's the question it comes down to. What are we going to do? So you give me, give me, please. Um, I, I'm requesting of you, give me a, like a start to finish tangible example, and then I could give you my take on it. Yeah, if you could. Um. Yeah, so a tangible example, because things have actually, like, I'm not going to lie, like, things have actually gotten a lot better since the last time I talked to you. Like, it's just, like, my knowing what my motives and desires are and actually implementing them in my relationship has, has made me feel more comfortable. And by turn, it's made her feel more comfortable. Because now we're, we, we, we have an understanding of what our motivations are. Um it's it's i guess it's we just had to realize that you know we we're not ready for anything serious because we were living we were pretty much living together 
And then it got to the point where it's like, okay, we have to scale back and we have to take some steps back. We don't want to totally lose each other. And we came to the the understanding that we still want each other in each other's lives. And we still want moments of being romantic, but we don't necessarily, we don't need to to talk to each other all the time. Like that's, we don't need to see each other all the time, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So, so what I was actually hoping to do was even just to, to maybe shift for communication in another area. And I'm not like, just, just for like, just a different example in my life. Um, so what I was thinking, like uh, with, with maybe like my political views or like to, to just express myself when, when, when people, cause it, it's, it's easy for me. Like something that I notice is um, I start to get like defensive maybe um, in another area. And it's just like when maybe I'm, I'm talking about anarchism or just like what you said, like with the roads. Um, so I think it's, man, but then Daryl, then I just go back to just specifically, like, what are my motivations? What's my goals? And now I'm just kind of like stumped because now it's totally rocked my world there, Daryl. And, and everything's like starting to kind of like having a big aha moment, right. As I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with, uh, with, with like religion, like, how could I effectively express my views without being, but it's like, it goes to the same thing. Like now I'm just like having this whole, like, I know the answer, like in this sense, but then it's, it's also staying. I think it's just like a matter of me staying focused on my motivations. Um, yeah, my apologies, Daryl. I'm just like, I'm having this huge conversation in my head while I'm talking to you because now it's like, okay, well now my lens is starting to change. Or my filters starting to change, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so um, everyone here in the audience listening or watching our icons on YouTube, you can understand that this is the type of epiphany that happens when you start looking through this lens, when you start the idea of taking 100% responsibility, the ability to respond. Suddenly you see the value in looking through a certain filter because you're finding practical applications this is what happened when me and Drew spoke last time. And yeah, it's been happening to me as well. I've been doing this for some time now. It's rather powerful. And then as you're asking a question, suddenly the answers are coming to you. Oh, yeah. So what am I trying to do by expressing these ideas of freedom, of respect, and of respect of other people's choices and personal volition and autonomy? Well, we just listed several actual things on the needs inventory list. And for you folks, again, who are just not literate in this, you can go to the Center for Nonviolent Communication.org or CNVC.org. Charlie November, <laughs> Victor Charlie.org. Uh, if you want to, you know, use the NATO code. Um, Basically, what what I'm saying is, you know, go there and go look up the needs inventory list. You'll see that that is what you're after, is those specific things. And also clarity and communication. When you you want to say these things to someone else, you're looking to say, hey, I suddenly see how valuable it is to look through this lens. Will you look through it as well? And if you do make it as a request, as I found out, you, you know, a real request where 
uh, a no is okay, where you can come up with other options of subjects to discuss. You know, there's so many other things to look into that are, I would say, more important than an abstraction such as respect of freedom. Now, in our personal life, we, we very much have a serious need for the respect of our own choice and volition. But it comes down to very important questions of boundaries. Good fences make good neighbors, and in an intimate relationship, that's just as important. The problem often is a lack of actually explicit boundaries, a, a wobbly zone, essentially. Uh, because I'm into this, I can speak about it now, right? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not because maybe there are actual still emotional splinters or cognitive dissidents or that type of thing. You know, kind of like speaking on spanking, for example. Um, <laughs> I, if someone has a child and has spanked them and were spanked themselves, to bring up that subject in such a way and, and to basically when, when you're sitting in the, in the respect seat where you want to say, no, I, I want to use other tools that essentially show a respect of choice and volition and actual aim for real connection of intimacy rather than the threats or promises of rewards, that type of extrinsic learning. Um, if, if you're coming from the angle that has a lot of informational support, you know, scientific support, informational support, there's a lot of evidence, evidentiary support. And the other person is coming from an area of, uh, it's like a, an upside down pyramid. They've got their conclusion. Spanking was done to me and I turned out okay. I'm going to continue spanking, etc. Well, they, it's a wobbly pyramid and, and that's uncomfortable. You know, it starts on the conclusion and that they're cherry picking their data to, to fill it. And it's just, it, it's all upside down. And that's uncomfortable. So it all comes down to that type of connection of like, okay, so what are you comfortable talking about? Are you comfortable talking about this subject with me, Drew? And, you know, if you weren't, you wouldn't have agreed to this broadcast. Um, Absolutely. If you, if you uh, are comfortable with it, then would you fill me in at the moments where you have anything that's uncomfortable? The point where I say, you know, yeah, I'm, Drew, I'm 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 the genius here, so shut up and listen to me, okay? You know, <laughs> I'm gonna give you a diagnosis and myself too. I'm a genius. I'm not. I just have some facility for putting one word in front of the other, and there are many people who do it in far more smooth facility than I do. And of course, due to the 15,000 hours of compulsory schooling, there's many people who do it far worse than I do, and that's. <laughs> the way it goes you know yeah i was just thinking when you were when you were talking about like the the whole spanking argument like i i think like i catch myself avoiding debate because i don't want to cuz it's like when people it's like i can i can keep my cool but then when people start you know maybe making ad hom ad hominem attacks or just trying to attack me personally for my views um, then I start to get uncomfortable and then like, there's a part of me that it's, it's, it's like, uh, I, I kind of want to fight this person now. So instead of what I typically end up doing is just trolling them. And, and I don't know if that's, that's necessarily the right way to do it either. Um, which and what I mean by troll is just like, you know, just egging them on or trying to make them more, ang trying to add fuel to their fire of being angry, if that makes sense, which yeah, but that's not, and that's well, keep going, Daryl. Oh, I, I call it poking the splinters in the mind, you know, like, oh, I yeah. see your splinters. 
Hey, how about this splinter? Yeah. How does that feel when I touch it, huh? How about this yeah. splinter? You know, that's cognitive dissonance <laughs> exactly. over there too. Doesn't feel good, does it, huh? Huh? That's yeah. that's uh, pretty aggressive, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it it's yeah, it's very aggressive. Like it's it's humorous for me, but it's it, you know, it, sometimes it's 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 so the, the, my question I guess is is like do I I guess it's really a question I need to ask myself. Should I continue to poke this bear? Should I try to effectively communicate with them? Or should I just stop talking to them? And and it's like, so that's like, for me, like that's something that I struggle with because it's, you know, I I know why I feel the way I feel. I, I know research. And if typically if somebody like points out something on my Facebook that isn't factually correct, I usually tell them, thank you. Like I have no issues like admitting when I'm wrong. Um, but then at the same time, like, is it really... Is it necessary for me to debate? Like, is that's that? I guess that's the question I, I struggle with when I ask myself. Like, is this really necessary? Like, if you know, if they don't, if they don't like the things I say, then they don't have to be my friend on Facebook, or they don't have to subscribe to my feed, or they don't have to communicate with me in person. Um, but like, then there's another part of me that's like, well, you know, I like people, but but I also think it's, you know, well, what's what's my motivations behind liking people? Is it because I, I, I somehow seek their approval and why am I seeking other people's approval? Do I really, whose approval do I really need outside of my own? So it's, it's, I guess that's like a, another part, which, um, that I kind of struggle with, which, which I also think kind of falls in line with, um, voluntary communication or personal upliftment. And, um, so I, I think that's like, because like the, the less approval that I seek of other people, the more confident that I am in what I say, or the more confident I am in the things that I do, or does that make sense? Yeah. And it comes down to what you identified, finding the strategy before you yeah. actually make your statement. And when you're typing, you have time for that. I mean, obviously, unless you're feeling under some pressure, when you're speaking, you feel you have less time for that. You've got to come up with it quickly. Um, so you might launch into an actual statement, but not be aware of the strategy behind that statement. So I, I usually keep the two main strategy sentences in mind when I'm communicating. The first one, what are the purposes? To what end is this going? You know, Where is this going towards? And the second, this thing that I'm about to say or write makes life wonderful for all concerned in what way? How does that work precisely? How is that going to happen? And if I don't have a clear answer to that, as I do say for this statement, then I might rethink what I'm about to say. I might actually choose to say, actually, what I just said, it's kind of irrelevant. It was kind of inappropriate even at this stage in our communication for me to share that. This was not the right time to share that with you. Um, in fact, I, I should, I, I would prefer, I, I would have uh, preferred that I decided to kept that silent to myself, make a little joke of it. Hey, can we have a do-over? Can I, uh, can I have this edited out of the transcript? And uh, I'm sorry, my, my teleprompter froze up. Um, can we start this over again? No. <laughs> so, you know, and, and sometimes my teleprompter does freeze up over here, by the way. I'm speaking of things. These are tactics. I've been investigating them going over them over and over again, looking at how they all add up. The trivium method, nonviolent communication tactics. How does this work? You know, who are the origin, you know, who are the people who originated this? 
to what ends could this be manipulated? All of those important questions. And then I'm in the midst of actual real-time talking with someone. And they have yeah. specific feelings going on. So it always comes down to the identification. That's the first step in everything. It's the first step of the trivium. It's the first step of every child. They identify everything. The second step is they're seeing how things work and don't work and the mixtures between those two of working and kind of working and fully not functioning. And the third thing to see the practical applications of the identification of everything and the specific logic or how things actually function. And in absence of that, there's a problem. So I would say that, you know, that's the, it comes down to the strategy of what is it that you're after? If you can lay it bare to someone, especially in an intimate relationship, you have serious potential to have a nice solid connection. They can see, is, is that what you wanted? Is that all? That's easy. I can do that. Or I'm just not into that. They have a choice. And, and also the other choice. Can you help me come up with more options? Because this is not an either or type of world. We've got options. We can keep thinking up and brainstorming many, many possibilities. So, yeah, I would say that um, as soon as we get to the off-the-record conversation, if if we have time for that today, um, I would probably share with you like the directions that I'm going personally in my life, which I'm not going to broadcast on YouTube. But in yeah. terms of, say, uh, simple things like my professional life, I'm going to be at some point teaching these skills to the other people who are in admin and faculty positions at the very least in the Hawaii College of Oriental Medicine at some point. Um, that if you need to look us up, that's hicom.edu, H-I-C-O-M. Um, I'm going to be working on all types of these things like that. I'm basically, I'm looking into those strategy sentences. What are the purposes of this, of this conversation with Drew? So just recently, Drew sent me the simple, you know, outline of, okay, we can discuss these tactics in relationship to the idea of intimate relationships, politics, family, and um, a few other subjects beside. Um, and, yeah. you know, of course, in an hour, you know, we have this much time. So, you know, we could, we could hit them all in a shallow way or we can hit a few of them in an in-depth way. Um, the religion one is a very important one. I thought we would at least spend a tiny bit of time there. Yeah, I agree, too. I think... I think uh, there's – I'm glad that we did because I, I, I don't think people talk about that enough in general. Like communication when it comes to relationships, uh, especially in between men. Like I don't – I think that – I think that's a it's, – it's hard for men to talk about their feelings um, with each other a lot of times. And, and that, I know that's a blanket statement, but I, I guess in my experience, that's the conclusion I've come to. Um, you know – it's, it's sometimes it's hard to discuss your feelings. It's hard to, but I think it's important to like, once you, once you can own up to the way you're feeling, then you can actually move on or you can actually address tactics and strategies on what you're going to do. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So first off, it comes to definitions. When people say religion, they're often not very specific so it's really important to identify, are they referring to what personally lifts them up, that if they hold certain conclusions, 
that they feel lighter and that they can just go on because they some of it is an outsourcing you know because this is true based upon faith only i feel so much better somehow it's kind of a mommy daddy type thing you know that this will i can just like let everything go into this bad people exist they're just a bad person and that's why so i don't have to think any further i've just stopped having to use my rational mind and understand someone's motivations i can just put them into this little box bad person you know that's 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 one aspect of an organized religion or even other aspects of organized spirituality situations um so this is a private hangout <laughs> so <laughs> um yes with it when it comes to like uh when it when it comes to religion and everything i think it uh i guess i feel like a lot of people turn to religion because they're looking for needs or they're looking to fill their needs or desires that they don't necessarily know how to feel on their own or fill on their own and they don't necessarily like i think it's something that i struggle with like like something to get back to like one of the major problems that i had initially in my romantic relationship was that it it drove my other crazy that when I would seek, um, when she'd like notice me seeking approval from other people instead of just seeking it from me. And, but then it was kind of like an, it was kind of like a hypocrisy because I was seeking approval from her. And, but I, th I think like when it, when you go into religion, like you, you kind of see the same thing. Like people are, are seeking approval from the invisible magic man uh, in the sky or in the clouds instead of just seeking approval for themselves and or seeking approval. Does that make sense? Like I've kind of like come to this conclusion in our conversation. Um, so I'm not, I'm hoping I'm making sense here. Yeah. And that's precisely what's going on in terms of, again, the, the definition. Seeking approval is in my opinion, an aspect of actually seeking to fulfill the value and desire for communication and essentially to try to figure out if you're on the right track or if you're barking up the wrong tree. The fox is over there, you know, and there, there are real actual connection desires going on. You want, it's not so much that you want to, um, what can I say, persuade uh, hopefully that's not so much as the issue as much as you want to just in the same way as with researching something a la search engine, you want to corroborate it. You want to see how close to reality is it because you desire predictable results. If you're off on the wrong tangent, it would be good to find out about it now in our younger part of our lifespan rather than 20, 30, 40 years later, Drew, when we're kind of uh, wrapping it up as it were when new tricks might not be as simple unless of course we've trained our minds to be as a child, which is what I also work to do to consistently keep looking through that lens of what's going on, essentially taking in the input, doing my processing and my output. Um, basically that has to equal yielding predictable results over and over again. So I keep getting, my words together in this way, I keep looking through these lenses 
and I keep getting invites to go on various podcasts. And that so far has been predictable. So I can appreciate that because um, Casey didn't know it's been like a, a long-term desire of mine to get on the school socks podcast. I finally did. I'm finally <laughs> on there, man. It took me a long time to have something valuable and to be able to share it. And now I'm sharing it with those people. And Brett is a master at editing. So I sound pretty cogent, at least in the first, um, I don't know, the first <laughs> 30 minutes or so, which I've been able to listen to. Um, and uh, there are other conversations where I've had with three people, like in a round table, the one on choice conversations, uh, that one I did with Wes Bertrand. And I think I'm even more cogent in that one so far as I was, cause I, I finished that whole one. And because it's three people talking, I felt really solid about my contribution. Again, it comes down to, I'm really aware of what I'm after. I'm trying to be. And I can just assume, since I've seen evidence to show that this is so, most people are not aware of what they're after. So there's my chance to figure out what motivates them. And you're right. When people go into an organized religion or some very popular format of spirituality, so-called, what they're looking for is very important to identify. You can use questions to ask about that if they're comfortable giving the answers. Naturally, it all comes down to phrasing and to say, you know, very humbly, will you help me understand what this is all about? Um, will you, you know, do you think that what you're after with this, that this provides you with, and then just go to your needs inventory list, the values and desires, and just name any of the ones that you can see as pertinent. See, I've got them in the top of, you know, my mind, the major needs of connection, communication, autonomy, etc., um, integrity, that thing of consistency that most people who ascribe to the term voluntarist would very much desire. They want consistency, not just in some things, but with almost everything. And if they're really honest with everything, as with any child, they want consistency with everything too. So I'm always looking through that lens. I, I know we're coming down to the last five minutes and I don't know how much overtime you have by the way. I can, uh, I could probably talk to you about five to 10 minutes off air afterward. Um, but, uh, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, if, uh, I think, uh, if, if we wanted to, uh, wrap it up now, I'd be down and possibly I could get you on again when I'm not, uh, moving. So I just wanted to get you on cause I knew you had time. Uh, my, uh, wish I had more time. Whenever I talk to you, Daryl, I feel like I can talk to you for like two hours. It's just super educational for me. So thank you. Yeah, it's um it works yeah. like that for me as well because the more I'm able to actually articulate these in a low pressure environment, the better off it sounds as far as I'm concerned. Um <laughs> I I just have to say, you know, just um in general to for the intimate relationships, this is the most important thing, okay? We've got all these people out there, uh the the few who are listening just going to go ahead and do, you know, that I'm going to say this, a bunch of those people, they have actual intimate relationships with someone. And that's the most important place for harmony to exist. The first place within yourself. And I would say either have a methodology that is yielding you predictable results all the damn time or use mine. Use, I mean, use the one that I'm using presently, which is to first identify everything going on inside of you 
in terms of how you see the world, the filter of values and desires that you're looking through, basically what is motivating you at that moment, and how well you're doing on achieving those specific goals, those values and desires, that's going to reflect the emotions that you have. And then from there, what type of strategy of action are you going to take? And I recommend do it silently in your own head, please. The <laughs> constant sharing of this to your intimate partner for to ask them to be your mommy or daddy is the death of relationships for many people. It's just over. They can't take it. The people are having a hard enough time being their own mommy and daddy in their head. To do it for you is going to be maybe to totally 10 steps too many that they're not ready for. So just please, if you possibly can, until the moments where you, you really are actually seeking someone's help, do this for yourself. Figure out what motivates you. And then after you've done that, you can say, okay, I'm going to be, no matter who this intimate partner is, there's a limited number of hours in the day that you're going to be conscious with them. So just keep this in mind. You will always have time on your own to decompress from, from this interaction. So what can you do now to see things through their observational lenses? How are they seeing the situation? What type of motives are they after? And you can you know, basically backtrack this by first being able to read their emotions. If you have to ask questions, do so. And second, to see, you know, imagine what types of things on that needs inventory list are kind of so-so or inadequately being tended to. Those are producing those feelings. If they're doing an excellent job, they're going to have the other happy feelings that are reciprocal. So just keep all of this in mind. And when people are basically, um, you know, the four Ds of disconnected communication, remember that one, Drew? The uh, making yes. demands giving unrequested diagnoses, the deserve-oriented language, and the ultimate denial of responsibility. Those things are all something that if, if you can prevent that coming out of you, that's great. Then is it at, you need a 4Ds translating system when it's coming at you from these people. And what I'm saying is, you know, if they're giving you a demand, interpret that as a request. This is exactly what they're after. It's just a clumsy and sometimes tragic way of making a request of you. If they give you a diagnosis, this is them attempting to understand you, to put you in a box. The label is there as a little box. They've got all these boxes. They want to put you in there, and that way they can understand you better, you anarchist. And then from there, you know, they have the um, denial of responsibility, which is that, you know, the desire for someone to take care of them. They, you know, they, they are really looking for that right now. It's again, it's a request to say, will you take care of me? Will you be my mommy and daddy? And, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you say, yeah, I, I can do that right now. And for me, you know, like when people pay me as a client, damn straight, I can, you know, cause I know <laughs> when you're showing up in my clinic and I know approximately when you're leaving. So for that time span, yes, I can hold space for you. And then, of course, the deserve-oriented language, punishment, reward. Again, there's desires for actual understanding. There's desires to say, you know, um, th these things seem like they would produce the desired results. Punishments and rewards, extrinsic motivation, certification, legislation, all of these external pressures put upon various people. That's what makes it all work so awesomely in the world right now, right? Right? 
And if that's their conclusion, that is the keep in mind what they're after. They're after the safety and security. They're after that. You can respond to those specific desires. Just identify them and respond to them. That's what I wanted to leave in terms of the live broadcast. I wanted to just give some tools for that and um, and just have your final thoughts on what I shared. That was super helpful. I think uh, I think everything you said there, like I, I think I had, I think, I know I had questions about that. And then in the midst of me kind of having an epiphany while I was talking to you, I totally forgot what I was going to ask you, but no, I, I think that's really important. Cause I think it's, I think that's when I, when I, that's when I notice I start to lose my cool is when demands and diagnoses. And then I, I, I take things personally and I get offended instead of just actually listening and listening to them objectively instead of like making it personal. And, um, so no, that, that helps me out a lot. And I uh, just want to say thank you again for recording with me. I'm glad we didn't have any technical difficulties um, this time around. Um, and yeah, uh, looking forward to, to, to talking to you again sometime soon. Me too. And so um, we're going to stop the broadcast now and go to the few minutes off the record. But uh, everyone listening, I please implore you to please be gentle with yourself and if possible, then you'll find it a lot easier to be gentle with everyone else. <laughs>